to call our next witness, <coughs> Mr. Rick Wall, who is attending virtually. And Rick, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Okay, so first of all, I'll ask if you can state your full name for the record, spelling your first and last name. Uh, yes, sir. My, my full name is Diedrich Wall, D-I-E-D-R-I-C-H. Last name is W-A-L-L. -L. Most people call me Rick, but that is my full name. <clears throat> and, and we'll call you Rick because that's what you're comfortable with. And uh, I'll ask you if you promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God. I do. Now, Rick, you're almost being provocative today because you have a Canadian flag behind you. And um, I never thought I would, um, as a Canadian, where my inside voice will say, oh boy, that's kind of an act of rebellion, a Canadian flag. But... Um, <clears throat> You, um, you have some interesting involvement in what I'll call the trucker movement. So let me just introduce you and then I'll ask you to explain um, your story and what happened. But my understanding is, is that you are the owner of a trucking company in southern Manitoba and basically <clears throat> your company does a lot of cross-border uh, shipping since 2009, but you've been running the company for 11 years now. Correct and that you became very involved in the trucking protests. Um, am I correct about that? Yes, sir. And basically in, in January 2021, um, you started getting involved in uh, anti-mask rallies in Winkler. Yes, sir, correct. And then for um, first couple of months of 2022, you became involved in the Freedom Convoy. Right. But you were actually involved in what um, might be the very first cross-border blockade on January 17, 2022. You were one of the organizers of, of the first blockade. We'll talk about that later, but I'm just introducing you right now. Mm -hmm. so, Correct. Okay. But um, before we get to the, the trucking part of this, I want you to share with us something that happened with you in Outdoor Church. Because my understanding is, is in, in May of... 2021 you got involved in an outdoor church and so can you share with us your experience there and what happened uh certainly can um i'd just like to take a quick opportunity to uh to just say thank you to the entire team at the nci uh, i feel extremely humbled that i was asked to present or to uh, share my story here today and uh just thank god for all of you people on that commission that you guys are, you know, donating your time and doing this. I think it's an, it's an extremely important part of Canadian history. So I commend each and every one of you for doing that. Um, again, um, I'm a, I'm a God fearing father of three. And, uh, the last couple of years have been rather interesting to say the least. Um, but yes, uh, my journey in the freedom fight, well, I guess I, uh, I became, um, quite leery early on when the pandemic first started. Um, there wasn't much scientific proof or anything at that point on which way was maybe the right or the wrong approach on this whole thing. But my critical thinking um, got the best of me early on. But yes, uh, early in 2021, a good friend of mine organized the first Freedom Drive uh, within the Winkler, Manitoba area. And I started helping and participating shortly thereafter. And, and yes, in early May of uh, 2021, at this point, churches and everything were locked down. And of course, um, you know, we 
we as Canadians, or I guess like-minded people such as myself, felt extremely violated that our constitutional rights to, uh, to worship freely uh, were now officially stripped from us. And so we thought it'd be a good idea to organize outdoor church worship uh, services. Um, you know, um, what's the harm in that was our thought process during that time. But this was, of course, when the implementation of the outdoor gathering size had decreased to five, I believe it was. Outrageous to think that, um, that only, you know, you're only allowed to, to gather with five people uh, outdoors. Um, and, uh, but yes, it was during that time. So we organized, the first one was on May 5th, correctly. It was just at a public park. Um, we made sure we stayed, uh, we stayed off. Like there's a big stage in the city of Winkler where we, where we conducted this, but we stayed off public property, uh, except for the fact of the actual grounds that we were at. We stayed off the stage. We just kind of set up our own little, uh, little setup and, um, had somebody come out to, to bring a message saying some praise and worship songs. Um, all the meanwhile, we had our chief of police, um, not in uniform off duty with his personal vehicle. He'd park close to the stage and monitor basically our every move and, and counting how many people uh, attended and um, therefore got in trouble for it uh, sometime later. So, and so, we, so can I ask you, like how, many people, how many people would have come out to this event? Uh, I, if my memory is correct, I think it was between, I would say between 70 and 100 people. Um, oh. We did this two consecutive Sundays in a row, so both times I think it was probably pretty average, between 50 and 100 people somewhere in there. Okay, so, and I just want to make sure that I understand. So, basically, you've got 70 to 100 people in an outside park. Am I right about that? Correct. And they're singing hymns. Mm -hmm. And they're listening to, you know, somebody give a, a message. Correct. So, basically, they're listening to preaching. Yes. And the chief of police, who's known, because this is a small town, is there in his private car photographing who's there? Um, I understand your question. Like, are you asking? Oh, so you're asking whether he was in his private car uh, taking photographs? Is that yes. your question? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. In fact, that's that was the reason why he was there. He for, uh, he um, he documented the event. Um, therefore, I guess uh, justifying them later on finding. Uh, finding, sorry, finding all three of the uh, organizers for these two events. Uh, we, we, we were all ticketed for each event. Um, ticket, ticket amounts were, uh, they were for not complying with public health orders and they were for $1,296 uh, each. I received two of them. Right, so, so for your participation in outside singing hymns and listening to a sermon, um, Basically over $1,000 in fines. Correct. And this is in this, the town of Winkler, Manitoba. Yeah, it's actually a small city. It's, it's considered a city, but yeah, in the city of Winkler. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was uh, very saddening uh, to witness this time, and especially when it came to church-related things. I mean, um, you think, you know, we live in a country where we should have the right to worship, and um, it was, yeah, we're put it, hardly put it into, into meaning uh, what those times were like. And again, when you, when you guys play these clips in between of our pu public health officers and, and Premier, um, you know, announcing these measures, it sure 
those raw fields come back and um yeah it's just it's still hard to believe that we went through that time so so can i ask you how it affected both you and your family and not to be able to attend church because my understanding is is because of the fines you guys only were did the outdoor church twice correct yeah they they made it pretty clear that um you know anytime going forward um we were going to organize anything like this that you know more tickets could be issued so uh, and again I, I memory doesn't serve me well enough to know exactly if that was one of the only reasons why we stopped because at this point um i myself was in the same shoes as patrick that just testified you know you, you get to a point where you see how unlawful within the sense of law all of this was at this point and where do you just find a you know draw that line and say you know it doesn't really matter how many fines i'm going to get i'm going to do what i'm convicted to do what i feel god's leading me to do and what i know is true to do so i mean again i, I don't recall exactly what the reasons were why we quit doing the outdoor worship services but uh, at this point we carry we continued on and had consistent outdoor rallies in the city of winkler kind of uh, like they did in the city of winnipeg as well and that was ongoing. And again, even at those rallies, we had consistent police presence, again, documenting, doing and so forth. And, um, but as far as for, for uh, tickets goes, those are the only two tickets that I received throughout the entire duration of the last couple of years. I, I know that we've been asking witnesses, you know, what could have been done differently. And it seems to me clear that for protesting, um, the freedom protesters just had to get the Black Lives Matter people there and they would have been okay. But, mm -hmm. you know, we, we live and learn. Now, you got involved in um, what I'll call the Emerson, Manitoba, the, the first process, uh, protest in, on January 17, 2022. Can you mm -hmm. tell us ab about, you know, how that came about and, you know, what that looked like? Yes, certainly. Um, Sean, you're breaking up a bit there, so I hope... And, and you were too, are, okay. but you're better now. Are we okay I'll on your end? Wait for the, there we go. Okay, you're just breaking up there a bit. But yes, um, so basically, yeah, I run a trucking company, cross-border trucking company. Um, so for our company, it's extremely important that we can cross the border. That is the um, And me and my wife talked about it many times and prayed about the whole situation. If, if the time would come, I'm sorry, I, I seem to be breaking up here. We can hear you fine, so okay, please continue. Okay, great. Okay, awesome. Um, so we basically um, uh, said, too, when the time would come for the truckers to take a stand, uh, we were not going to take a back seat. And again, there was talk about the mandates, about the vaccine mandates uh, being imposed on the truck driver, which, again, we have to remember the truck drivers were the heroes uh, throughout the entire duration from when COVID started up to this point. Um, you know, willing to go where nobody else was going to go. And so they basically went from hero to zero pretty quickly. And now when they had basically imposed the mandates, I think on most all industries at this point, it was time to, uh, it was time drivers as well for those that had chosen for whatever reason, some very obvious reasons at this point to not get the vaccination. Um, and again, like I said, we told ourselves that if that point came, uh, we were going to take a stand. And uh, when it was announced that on January 15th, 2021, the Canadian start to implement drivers needing to be vaccinated or have a negative PCR test uh, upon arrival or otherwise would need to um, 
would need to quarantine for 14 days and also be um, would also could likely be ticketed as well. So that said, um, within literally a couple of days and a bunch of help from a whole lot of people, we were first, we call it a slow roll protest at the Emerson, uh, Emerson, that's the Manitoba U.S. border on Highway 75, just south of Winnipeg. And uh, that was on January 17th. We arrived there at 3.45 a.m., if I remember correctly, or maybe it was 4.45. Um, but it was very strategically planned. We know uh, how busy that port is when it comes to truck traffic. And Monday mornings are always the busiest. So we did that very strategically. And of course, our plan was to uh, our plan was to basically abide by all traffic laws. Um, we had no intentions of blocking the road. We just basically wanted to slow traffic down and uh, come up with our flags and signs and show our um, basically show our dislike with the with the with the decision the government had made for truckers at this point. And so that's what we did. We uh, we basically showed up there and we started just. When I say slow roll, for those of you that don't know what that is, it's just literally going basically as slow as a big rig is going to go. Um, low gear, idle, you're going, yeah, you could, you're walking faster than. So um, that's what we did there on January 17th. So basically you just, you backed up the traffic probably for miles. So can you still hear me? Oh, now I can hear you, Sean. Okay, so I, I, I asked, did you, did you back up the traffic for miles? Uh, yes, it certainly did. Um, it was very effective. Um, we had a lot of support out there from, from our supporters, and it was pretty interesting to see how many people or how many truck drivers that were basically <clears throat> caught in a slow roll, taking up a lot of their day, were very supportive as well. Of course, there was some that um, were very um, upset, uh, rightfully so. They didn't understand what was going on there, but but yes, we we definitely accomplished what we set out to do, and I mean the event, the event caught um, media attention globally, um, basically after the first couple of days, and it was uh, yeah it was the start of the trucking movement. Well, I have to state that that the Freedom Convoy to Ottawa, this was already in full stages of planning. Um, I had I had no participation in, in planning for the Freedom Convoy to Ottawa, but. Um, we just saw it was important to do the to do this protest at the border on January 17th. Uh, you know, just literally two days after they imposed this mandate for the truckers on the Canadian side, and we we thought it was strategically important to do it at that time. Now, you you didn't plan the Ottawa trucking protest, but you you did have your trucks participate. Can you tell mm -hmm. us about the participation of the trucks from your company? Yeah, for sure. So yeah, we were very much involved, uh, not in an organizing aspect of it. But um, again, I go back to what I stated earlier that me and my wife prayed about it and, you know, um, thought about it long and hard and our involvement, our company's involvement, because we all saw what happened to a lot of people that participated. Um, and I'll get into that a little bit later and to what our involvements ended up, you know, costing us. Uh, but uh, in that sense, we were content with the fact that we could literally lose everything. Um, it was a it was a pivoting moment uh, in the whole movement, I feel, but we just felt totally at peace with it because I go back to uh, stating what I said earlier. You know, it felt like a true conviction that this is what we needed to do, 
And um, no matter what the outcome would be, at the end of the day, uh, we would still feel good about that decision because we followed the path of what's true and right, you know, instead of right. Um, right. just and sitting I'll, back I'll, and... I'll just, I'll just interrupt you, if it, but if yeah. you can just, because we've got some time constraints, if you can tell us about your participation, what, what your company did. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we had nine trucks in total from our company um, that participated in the Freedom Convoy uh, going to Ottawa. Um, only four of them went all the way to Ottawa. Uh, five of our trucks uh, went slightly or just a little ways into Ontario, Kenora, Ontario. It was a stopping point there, turned around and came back and uh, started, started organizing for the next protest in Manitoba. But four of our trucks carried on to Ottawa and uh, stayed there for the entire duration. And then my understanding is this one of your trucks in Ottawa got towed at, at the end when the, the government marched in. Yes, I, I have to make a correction on that. The truck didn't, in fact, get towed. But basically what the, uh, what the enforcement group, I don't know what group confiscated these trucks, but basically what they did, the trucks they could drive out, they drove out, and the ones they couldn't drive, they towed out. Um, our driver's truck, they were able to get into it. Our driver still to this day doesn't know how they, they started it because he had both sets of keys with him and he was not present when his truck was taken. So yeah, one of those, uh, I must also state that it was an owner operator truck. Um, the driver owned his own truck, but leased onto our company. And yes, it got confiscated and was impounded. And uh, there was a $1,300 fine, I think. Correct. Yeah. I don't, that wasn't the exact amount, but yeah. Um, within the realms of $1,300. After a week of confiscation, we were able to get it out. But the interesting part was um, it didn't just sit in the compound. We could just, you know, pay our fine and get it out. They physically ripped the license plates. This was a truck and trailer. They physically ripped the license plates off of both power and trailer unit. And uh, of course, I mean, that's, you know, that's a registration to travel up and down the roads. So we had to get permits just to get the truck back home. I thought that was a rather interesting um, um, something that I don't think would have been necessary, but uh, yeah, it was just very unique. And then we were also, uh, our company was also, um, our permits to operate within the province of Ontario was pulled for an entire month. Well, maybe those people that took the, the plates off were some of these good Canadian ambassadors. That, that could likely be. Yeah. So <laughs> I thought it was interesting. Now, you, you talked about a Manitoba protest, and, and this is an important topic because we're in Manitoba today, and people from Manitoba know about the Manitoba protest, and, and it did get some media coverage in the nation, but a, a lot of Canadians actually don't know what happened in Manitoba with, with your protest and definitely internationally, like internationally everyone knew about the Ottawa one and I think it's important for you to share in some detail what happened here in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Yeah, certainly. So like I stated earlier, um, obviously my heart was set to go to Ottawa as well. I really wanted to go, but after doing some more thinking about it, uh, we thought it was important to organize something in Manitoba because a lot of people couldn't go to Ottawa, it just wasn't feasible for whatever reason. So we decided to stay back and organize another slow roll, actually right back at Emerson. And again, this was strategically organized for the date of January 29th. This was uh, when the Ottawa convoy was, um, was to be expected to arrive in Ottawa. So, you know, we thought it would, uh, would just be uniform. Again, we're all in the same fight to do it on the same day to get back to the border at Emerson. 
And this time we were there for a longer duration. We were there from January 29th to, I believe it was uh, February 2nd. Uh, so we were there for quite a few days. Same thing again, you know, just uh, slow road. We didn't block the road, but again, it was much more effective even this time than it was the first time. Um, we definitely had our voices heard, we feel. So I'll just kind of, I'll just carry on here with how mm -hmm. we ended up at the at the legislature building, if that's all right. Yeah, please um, do. So, yeah, so basically, uh, so like I said, we were at the border, slow rolling till February 2nd. I believe it was on February 1st. I had somebody reach out to me from another group of organizers within the city of Winnipeg. Um, they were saying that they were planning a protest there and they would love for the truckers to join them. So um, we did some thinking about that and thought it would be a good strategic move. If we go to our local legislature building uh, within the city of Winnipeg, and of course it'd be smaller scale, but in a sense, the same thing as, as to what was happening in Ottawa. So um, we took that opportunity to refocus uh, our efforts and took a day off. But then on January 4th, uh, once again, early in the morning, uh, I believe it was at 3.30 a.m. or something like that, that we arrived at the in front of the legislature building and set up the trucks and uh, the trucks that we had there currently four of them i think we came there with big rigs and uh, then the rest of it kind of just formed on broadway and memorial um, the rest of it formed kind of like ottawa smaller scale but um people started setting up you know we had people with food trailers come out no, uh, I, all kinds of I, things like that just stop you, it wasn't just your trucks that were there there were other truckers like there were like 40 yes, and 50 sir. trucks Yes, sir. I think at the hype of it, there was around 50 trucks. And then, of course, you know, a lot of other participants. There was one Saturday where a whole bunch of farmers came out and brought their tractors out. I mean, the boulevards were lined with farm, farm equipment, farm tractors. And yes, a lot of big trucks and uh, a lot of local supporters came out uh, um, throughout the duration of the protest there. It was, uh, it was an amazing, yeah, it was, it was an amazing um, um, expression of not expression, but it was just, the whole event was just, uh, yeah, I can't hardly put it into words. Yeah, you kind of had to be there. So, but it was, it was a very interesting from an organizer perspective. It was a very unique and interesting experience. Um, I can only speak uh, on behalf of myself who went through it. I was one of the organizers there throughout the entire time. Um, so the continuation of, of the negotiations with the Winnipeg police, they were awesome. I can't give them enough credit. They were very respectful to us, but they had a job to do. Um, but there was daily negotiations as to things we couldn't, can, could and could not do. But I mean, their strategy was to eventually get us to leave and which that ultimately did happen after a couple of weeks. Now, was the pro protest peaceful? Yeah, 100%. Um, the only unpeaceful event that there was at the legislature protest was it was a what we believe was an Antifa supporter. It was somebody that did not support the movement. So basically came through the crowd with an automobile and struck uh, several pedestrians. Well, not I guess several supporters that were there at the event. Um, that was a pretty scary moment that happened early on in the protest. Um, that individual was arrested, I believe, uh, if I remember correctly. I don't didn't follow the story too much afterwards. But that was the only unpeaceful thing that I would have recalled. I mean, it was just like Ottawa, just a smaller version. All the stories you hear, people coming to support, like farmers coming out, bringing fuel for the big trucks, uh, you know, uh, huge groups cooking food every single day for everybody. And it was just, 
No, there was just more unity there than anything else. So it was really the, the community coming together in a joint protest to seek change. Absolutely. I'd like to also add, when you, when, uh, just to answer your question more thoroughly, whether it was a peaceful protest, um, the chief of police, and someone might be able to correct me and remember this better, that was at the event, uh, chief of police, after everything was said and done, deemed this to be one of the most peaceful protests in the history of Winnipeg. So we took some credit for that and, and there too. You know, we tried to do our utmost throughout these um, uh, negotiations daily with the Winnipeg police to meet with what, what their ask was of us, at the same time trying to, you know, hold the line and keep, kept reminding them as to why we were there as well. Now, my understanding is, is, is the purpose of being down there was you guys were requesting a dialogue with the provincial government and Premier Stephenson. Am I correct about that? 100%. That was our ask. We merely wanted a conversation uh, with the Premier's office, and we were denied that right the entire time. And what was kind of painful about that, I'll make it real quick, um, there was, I believe it was a week, or was it maybe two weeks after we left the site that our protest an ended, um, the Ukraine thing started. And of course, I respect everybody. I, I mean, I, I respect the Ukrainian people. They had definitely had the right to do while well, they gathered at the legislature building, basically. And Heather Stephenson had no problem coming out addressing uh, her concerns and her support for these people, which I think is awesome. That's great that she did that. But we just thought as organizers for this, for our event, um, we're Canadians. We're pleading for you to have a conversation with us. And, and our ask um, isn't anything complicated, right? We're just, you know, we're asking to simply have our, uh, our constitutional rights and freedoms back. Um, but yet she had no problem addressing them when she denied um, our rights and ignored us the entire time we were there. I thought that was a pretty sad example of a, pub, uh, of a public servant that's, supposed, that's there for all Canadians, not just for a select few. Now we, we've heard the, the same from some people that were at the Ottawa protest. We had uh, Tom Mazzaro indicate that uh, at no time did any member of the federal uh, government actually speak with them. Um, mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, and I, I just thank you on behalf of um, Canadians and actually the, the entire world, because you truckers woke us up. Um, and at the end of the day, there were some changes made because of the actions of truckers like you. And, mm -hmm. and I know you've thought about that, but to, it just seems to me that you guys exposed some things. And can you just share with us what you think was accomplished? Absolutely. So the question was asked many times by a lot of people. Um, so what, did, what do you guys feel that you accomplished? What was your wins? Um, for me, it was pretty simple. Well, as most will remember, during the protest time, um, different provinces started to announce that they were going to start lifting restrictions, including Manitoba. Before we left, they announced that they were going to lift the mask mandates, which we thought was huge. Um, I mean, no credit to self or any of the organizers. I think most of us were all fairly like-minded. It was all a group effort, but the group effort, we believe, was a huge contributing factor to them announcing these uh, mandates being lifted. I strongly feel the mandates would have been in place for much longer had we not protested. And some of the biggest wins that I would take away from it, first of all, the, the corruption right down to the core from our local municipalities right up to the federal government that was exposed. I think many people 
um, did not realize how deep it went. I know for myself, I didn't. Um, it was just, it was amazing. Again, going back to Ottawa where the Emergencies Act was invoked, I believe for the very first time, for breaking up a group of peaceful protesters. I thought that was just the definition of insanity in a freak, in a so-called free country that we live in. So huge wins, I would say, was, was uh, basically um, exposing the corruption. And another one, just the unity brought, the unity that the government had worked so hard to try to break apart within Canadians for a couple of years, we saw clearly that Canadians, when it just came human to human, we respect and love each other. We love our country. And there was such a massive movement of support for the trucking protest. Um, I thought that that was a huge win, just showing the world that no, Canadians don't hate each other. It doesn't matter which side of the aisle you're on, especially when it comes to the vaccine. I mean, that's been a disturbing conversation to me for the entire time. Respect each other for who you are as individuals, not for medical decisions you make, which the government wanted us to do. So it was a sense of unity and, you know, bringing people back together. And again, um, yeah, those are a couple of the big wins. And again, like I said, we saw mandates started to lift. And so we thought we accomplished much. And to this day, I mean, had it not been for the entire process of what the truckers did, um, I think we would live in some very different times. No, I think um, I think most people would uh, agree with the statement, and I've heard people internationally say say it to me that watching the Canadian, you know, trucker movement actually was the first glimmer of hope, because we can't think of any other example where a group of people actually stood up to say no, and um, the fact that you guys accomplished something shows that actually the only way for us to get our rights back is for groups of people to stand up and say no. Um, now, I, I just wanted, I didn't watch, um, before I hand you over for commissioner questions, but I just wanted it to be clear, um, you guys didn't end the, the protest in Winnipeg um, just because you decided to go home. It was made very clear to you guys by the police that they were going to move in and basically do what was happening in Ottawa. Yes, correct. Um, so. Uh, just trying to rethink here now um, what the date was. The date lapsed my memory, but um, but yeah, there came a day where, again, this was just one of our morning sessions with Winkler Police, uh, just a typical negotiation session, and they did come in with a document basically stating that we had a, we had a day, uh, what was it, just over, okay, I think it was February 22nd, if I remember correctly, but that we basically had a day to get everything off the premises and have everything cleaned up, or um, trucks were going to start to be towed. Same thing as what was happening in Ottawa. Um, so and they, they stated the fact as well that the Emergencies Act was still in effect and uh, that they would use it if needed. So, um, yeah, we were definitely forced off the property. Again, we all left willingly. Uh, there was no hesitation from anybody. Um, as we stated earlier, it stayed peaceful from beginning to end. Thank you. And um, I'm just going to ask the commissioners if they have any questions for you, Mr. Wong. And they do have questions. Sure. Thank you for coming out this morning, Mr. Wall. I have Thank a, you. something that there was a few things you said that I was curious about. Mm -hmm. I, I've I've heard testimony over the last number of days from folks um, like yourself who uh, were facing making a decision, and they weighed whether or not they would speak up or whether or not they would. Um, 
they would uh, take an action, perhaps make an arrest or break up a protest, and they weighed that against the loss of their income and their pensions. I think uh, Mr. Erskine, I believe it was, who was a police, uh, uh, police officer, had made that statement. And what you said, and I wrote it down, was that you and your wife discussed whether or not you were going to protest because, and you realized that you could lose everything. Mm-hmm. Can, you, can you tell me what you meant by that? Did you, did, is that what you really believed? Why did you believe that? And, and how did you come up with the decision that you were going to move ahead anyway? Uh, I think that's a great question, and thank you for asking it. Um, basically, when I say that we could lose everything, I guess I was pertaining more so like that we basically were putting our entire company on the line. And um, we employ about 40, 40 people. So that's a pretty substantial number. And of course, we've, we'd be putting all those jobs in jeopardy as well. But at the same time, we felt content with the decision um, to the fact that, like I said, I, I felt truly convicted. I felt a, a conviction from God. I'm a, I'm a God-fearing man that this was something that we needed to do. And um, as the Bible teaches us, that he will provide uh, regardless. And so we felt, you know, we were going to be okay, uh, whatever that okay looked like, if everything, you know, let's say, for example, uh, that our participation was, would strip our rights to, uh, to uh, you know, our rights, our registrations, licenses, and so forth to be a trucking company, and which it did within the province of Ontario. And I mean, and I mean there was many threats throughout the duration of the Ottawa convoy uh, or Ottawa protest. So um, that concern was very real at that point already, and we knew going into it that there was a, a real risk of that happening. So I just want to be clear, I understood what you were saying. So you were fully aware that you weren't just risking your own uh, income, your wife's income, your family support, but you were 40 people working for you, which would have translated potentially into hundreds of people that would be affected by that decision, mm-hmm. but you still felt the conviction mm-hmm. to go ahead with this. Yes, sir. Yeah, that's that's 100% correct. And it wasn't without much consideration and in, in talking to our office staff. Um, I mean, I can't think of one that wouldn't that wasn't supporting what we were doing. And again, um, I felt it was a very it was a very bold move for a business owner. You didn't see many businesses, especially larger businesses. I shouldn't say you didn't see many. You saw lots of smaller businesses participate, but I mean, it was it was a pretty bold stand to take. But again, like I said, my my convictions were very bold, and um, there wasn't much question about it. And again, it was it was with the support of our office staff, which I am extremely grateful for to this day. The last question's got to do with the, your community in Winkler. Winkler is mm-hmm. a is a rural city in Manitoba. It's a quite a close-knit community, and it has a reputation for a faith-based life. Mm-hmm. My question to you is, when you took the initial actions where you had the services, if you will, in the city park, how was that portrayed in the local media, and how did that affect your relationship within the community of Winkler following that? That's a great question. Um, so basically, our local media wasn't really much different than the mainstream media um, when any of these events were covered. So there wasn't much, and to this day, there isn't great support. I mean, some of the stuff that's happening 
to this day, they're, they're starting to cover it a little bit more accurately, I feel, but there was no real support from the local media. As far as support from the local community, it was absolutely huge. And you're absolutely right. I think Winkler's considered um, the Bible Belt of Manitoba, if not for Canada. And I truly feel that these last couple of years have really brought that out into light. Um, because the community, like you said, it was very tightly, it's very tightly knit. And yes, there's those that don't agree, which God bless them for it. We live in a country where we're, we should be allowed to disagree with each other respectfully. But, um, but yeah, like I said, very well received by the community. There was never a sense of feeling that we really should be stopped. We, should, we really should stop doing this because the community, uh, you know, just isn't supporting it and really rather us have us not do it. So, yeah, it was, it was a very empowering to continue plowing forward. Thank you, sir. Thank you. And there's more questions. Good morning. I just have a quick question about the service in the park, and I'm just wondering if, if, uh, if you saw the chief of police at other points come out in his own vehicle, his own personal vehicle, in, uh, without a uniform, when you were doing the, the slow rolls or any other moment in time, or whether you felt that at this time it was maybe your faith that was being targeted? That's a great question. Um, I think with all due respect, I actually know this chief of police personally, and I would, I'll be honest, I would consider him a friend. Uh, what he did the last couple of years, I don't think was a nice thing to do to a friend, quite honestly, but I do understand he has a, he has a role and a position um, of public servant duties that he needs to uphold as well. You know what, I, I, with all due respect, I don't think it was an attack on religion. They were very much, um, the Winkler police, they were very much monitoring all the different rallies. Like we have so many different rallies within the city of Winkler and area. Um, they were constantly monitoring, monitoring us regardless of... Uh, and I mean, most of the other ones was just, um, you know, just protesting against all the other mandates. So, um, yeah, it was pretty consistent monitoring regardless. Thank you. Thank you. Rick, it looks like the commissioners have no further questions. Um, on behalf of the National Citizens Inquiry, I want to sincerely thank you for sharing your testimony with us. Thank you all so much. And God bless each one.